you won the league, yeah. Since that period, it's just been a bit. Listen, roll your eyes all you like. I don't care. Okay, I'm saying my opinion. You can have your opinion. I know your opinion. Virgil van Dijk, this Virgil van Dijk, this blah 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 blah. The, the thing it is, it doesn't I'm, matter. I'm 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 a realist Liverpool fan. I'll be the. F- I if you ask me, what is the issue with Virgil van Dijk? I tell you, he's pedestrian. He's pedestrian at times. You see, you see it all the time. Sometimes he gets over. Okay, and sometimes he doesn't. Okay. So do you want to know why Alcatraz is a snake? Because he relegated me from doing the introduction. Says, oh, he's going to do the introduction. Pulls out his phone and starts reading from his phone. So obviously that's something you guys won't be able to see. Listen, there's going to be a camera soon. So there's going to be video footage of everything. Like right now, you want me to tell them that you're naked in the in the living room? <laughs> Like my bro, my bro, like you just got on boxer shorts, like I feel very uncomfortable, this is an uncomfortable work environment. Welcome back to the Top Pins Pod, top talking points, top analysis and the top goals from the Premier League. You know what that is? That's Top Bins. I'm your host Uncle Tass and I'm here with my co-host Spaney. Yo. What are you saying to me Spaney? I feel like every week I've got a problem. What's the problem this week? <laughs> what are you rolling your eyes for? You're meant to be family. You're meant to be looking out for me. What's the problem this week? I didn't I f- even realise I rolled my eyes, by the way. <laughs> Just a natural reaction. So the good news is... Are you going to talk about your foot? The good news is... Go on. I'm not hungover today. Okay. That's good. So I've made up for it. I've got rum and coke in my, in my cup. Yeah. The bad news is... Mm. My foot... Rev... Had football today. Did you score? Went for a challenge. Did you score? The ground was hard. Did you assist anyone? Battered my foot against the floor. I feel like I've done something mad there because I can't walk. Did you make a meaningful contribution to the team before your injury? But listen, <laughs> I'm living and breathing. Listen, I created chances. All right. I created chances. Created chances FC, yeah. <laughs> but I'm living and breathing, so I'm good. What are you telling me? You know what? I'm all right. I'm joining you on Red Cup Gang this week. Yes, you are. I'm drinking water like a good citizen. So drinking alcohol makes me a bad citizen. If that's what you want to say about yourself, then that's fine. <laughs> I just said drinking water makes me a good citizen. Fair. What we say? What we got for the people today? You know, the Premier League is back, so we've got a bumper episode. We've got a few topics we're going to touch on before we jump into Super Sunday, then Saturday's games. Then we're going to go over our predictions league, see how we did in predicting the correct scores from this week, and then jump into a bit of fantasy football as well before finishing off with the top bins goal of the day. Interesting. Or goal of the weekend rather, because it's over two days. Fair. But to kick it off, All or Nothing, episodes four to six came out. Yep. How did you find them? Uh, again, I like them. One thing I like to see, you know, obviously the whole backroom shenanigans that take place yeah especially obviously because these episodes were quite centered around transfers because i think obviously it covered the christmas period right yeah the january transfer window exactly and then the january transfer window bro daddy rose was on smoke you know to secure that deal do you know what i'm not mad at it like Neither am I. at the end of the day i think um ericsson touching it as well where careers are short and mm. you got to look after it look out for number one at the yeah, end of the day yeah. so it was kind of like maybe there's a few managers you might want to go head to head with Mourinho not being one of them or <laughs> well, you would have thought but um, yeah I mean you got to respect it he just says his mind and threw a couple of players under the bus apparently yeah. but you know 
Nah, it was, it was good. It's enjoyable. Let me not lie to you. Like I said, Danny Rose, that was uh, that was good to see. He was on smoke. He literally told Marina, tell Daniel that when he's in, I'm looking for him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, that, it was a bit like, yeah, I'm going to report you to the principal, you know. It was a bit like, okay, man. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was good to watch. Um, I feel sorry for footballers as well. I think we always forget that they are humans and they have families and stuff. And the reason I bring this up is because obviously when you see them going into training at 5.30 on Christmas day, for yeah. example, and stuff like New Year's Eve with the kind of um, Serge Aurier and um, Sissoko kind of cuts with them calling their family members and friends and stuff. Kind of feel bad for them, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a life that I would personally love to live. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but yeah, I find it interesting that um, Sessegnon, I feel like he's appeared more times in, in this flipping document or doc documentary should I say then uh, he's appeared on the pitch for them but yeah hey yeah, I mean definitely yeah I was surprised to see him so much and another thing that caught my eye was um you know how we were talking about Leno and and uh Martinez mm. and talking about oh if Martinez is in form and should you bring on Leno and stuff like that obviously there was the period where um Lloris was out injured well they covered the period where Lloris was out injured Gazaniga went in goal had a good few games then ended up saving a penalty Lloris comes back or is back from injury and then go straight back into the team. And then funny enough, the next two games, I think he faced penalties and conceded them both. Yeah, um, save, save one then. Lloris? Yeah. Save, you sure? He conceded the first one, saved the second one. Oh, okay, fair. Um, my mistake then. But um, yeah, I just found that interesting because obviously in line with the conversation we're having about Leno and Martinez and how Lloris came straight back into the team. But hey, as you said, goalkeepers and number one just it's, is it's, what it is. It is what it is that you, you need to have a clear number one and... Gazaniga, I guess I guess he's still quite young as well, so he understands that I'm only in the team because Lloris is out. Mm. So there's that acceptance that when Lloris comes back, it's his spot. Mm. So I, I like that. And it's it's not even a faffing about, of, okay, let's give Gazaniga a few more games until he has a bag. No, you're the number two. Mm. Accept that. Mm. Simple. Yeah, nah, fair. But what, what I thought was interesting as well was I always used to think that Mourinho always used to be up a bit more for Liverpool games. Mm. And I, I couldn't for the life of me figure out why. <laughs> and he sort of alluded to it in the documentary where he mentioned that there's certain teams that you come up against where you've got ghosts mm. of, of playing these games <laughs> in sort of reference to the 05 semi-final where mm. Garcia scored the famous ghost goal. And I think ever since that moment, Mourinho just <laughs> had it in for Liverpool. Where anytime he sees Liverpool on the calendar, he's doing anything possible to beat us. It's like when, um, what was it, 13-14, when they mm. beat us 2-0 at Anfield, where I was thinking, does he just hate Rodgers? Because like, Rodgers used to win his <laughs> coaches. I was like, why did you have to come here and do that? But it makes sense now. It yeah. makes sense now. But. Yeah. Nah, it's, it's a good series, man. I like I like the all or nothings. And um, one last thing that did actually uh, I found interesting was, you know, when you always hear the phrases or in general, when people talk about how they only find things out through Sky Sports when it comes to um, transfers, Daniel Levy made a comment to Ericsson about his transfer to say, I only know what's going on over this transfer because of Sky Sports Italy. And I was like, right, that's like CEO or whatever he is or chairman of, of Tottenham Hotspurs and for those kind of comments, it's like, right, it's actually, football is actually a very mysterious world where yeah. a lot of things happen in the background that even the people that should know what's going on don't. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good. I like it. So on to a bit more, I guess, tabloid news, let's call it. <laughs> Foden and Greenwood. Yeah. Made their England debuts. They did. Played, played decently, I thought. I didn't actually watch that game. Both England games weren't necessarily. I was going to say the uh, Denmark game reminded me why I didn't particularly want to watch that. Yeah. Game. But um, yeah, they made the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Mm. 
they were caught sneaking girls into their hotel room. Yeah. So, I mean, what did you think of the girls firstly? Like, were they worth it? No comment. Okay. Smart, smart answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, what what do you think of it? Like, I think it's one of those ones where they're obviously quite young, quite young players. I think Greenwood's still 18 and um, Foden's obviously 20. So still quite young and fresh in their careers. Obviously both made their England debuts as we alluded to. And so new to that whole setup. Um, so I, they obviously just got gassed in the environment, gassed in the situation. We're away with England, lads on tour type of situation. Sort of a few things come around type of situation. What I find interesting about the whole thing though is the girls wouldn't later comment on the whole thing because they're like, oh, it might get them in trouble and all this type of stuff. But it's like, not saying that they should, but the, at this point, the damage is done. As soon as you posted that, the damage is done. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. The, 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 they, they knew what they were doing at the end of the day. Yeah. But um, I, I think, I understand why they came down so hard on them, especially in quarantine, corona mm. times. It makes sense. You have to set an example mm. out of them. But at the same time, it's almost a non-story in the sense of, Footballers are allowed to live lives. Mm. Yes, you can say that. Um, I think Greenwood's single at the moment. Mm. Foden's in a relationship, got a missus, got a kid. From that right, point, he's got a kid. From that point of view, it's, I did not know that. It, it's a bad look. Mm. Yes. Not saying that all footballers should be given license to cheat. That's not the, the, the issue here. The issue is them just bringing girls back to the hotel. Mm. There's no issue with that, especially in your downtime, unless there's a set curfew. Mm. The problem is just it's Corona. So yeah slow news days as well so the tablets the tablets love just bringing young players down like either putting the pressure on saying this guy's going to be the next best thing since sliced bread or latching onto any little thing just trying to get <laughs> yeah. him down because even now um the headlines yesterday were pictures of greenwood um, yeah. doing balloons which yeah. they labeled hippie crack which i thought was quite interesting because <laughs> i've never met a hippie <laughs> I've never seen crack before, but I've seen loads of balloons. So like, I mean, does that mean I'm at that point? I, I have no idea. Um, when I say I've seen loads of balloons, I've seen them with my eyes being done. Like, we don't condone drugs over here. But um, yeah, so it's obviously now Greenwood's going to be the scapegoat for a little while. Yeah. Like, probably lay off Sterling for a bit until he um, <laughs> yeah. messes up and then he'll be back in the headlines himself. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um you're right about having to obviously come down harsh and make an example, but there was a couple of things that happened as well in terms of the repercussions. I think they both got 1.5, one and a half thousand pound fines, which obviously in the grand scheme of footballers isn't a lot, but I thought that was quite strict. And um, we're both interviewed by police. which I was like, is this really a matter to go to police? But hey, because I had to look into it and I was like, what rules have they actually broken here? But then you, you got to think, um, this is abroad as well, where there could be a fine line in terms of soliciting women in terms mm. of obviously there's most likely no money is exchanged hands mm. but maybe the police are investigating that in terms True. of yeah, potential for it True. to have been quote unquote solicitation of women yeah but yeah. um i mean to be honest we, we have to touch on it because this is top <laughs> top bins it's top talking yep. points but I, I i like to let footballers have their own lives football is just one of those sports where every little aspect of your life is scrutinized just yeah. because a majority of players come from working class backgrounds. So it's yeah. like, you need to just appreciate where you are in life. You shouldn't be able to have as much fun as you want. Like, yeah. you no, know, like just enjoy the football, put yeah. your head down, be a good kid. But it's, I mean, the reality is far from that, isn't it? Exactly. But yeah, no, I mean, they'll, they'll learn from it. Obviously they'll, they'll, um, they'll move on. They'll be back in the England squad within no time. So, so saying that, um, 
I saw, I don't know how true this is, but apparently when they were, when they were leaving, um, Foden was quite gentlemanly in terms of saying goodbye to the girls that are giving them both a kiss on the cheek or whatever. And um, Greenwood is very just, bye. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> <Did> you, <laughs> funny on that, did you see um, the video that did get leaked? Well, I don't know how many got leaked, but one of them that got leaked and he was like, oh, Foden was quite politely like, oh, like, what, what are you coming to the hotel for? Yeah. And Green was like, what do you think they're coming to the hotel <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love it. Cold, yeah. Cold-blooded killer. He's like in and out, man. Facts. In and out. But, but yeah, hey, yeah, they'll get over it and they'll move on from it. Moving on to... Something, I guess it's been in the headlines for a little while now, um, but something that officially the decision came out this week was that the Newcastle takeover has been rejected. So, I mean, it's an interesting one in terms of it's almost like nobody has a right to be involved in football in, in a sense, but it does seem like the FA are kind of maybe playing favourites here mm. because a lot of takeovers which have in the past broken down or the owners haven't been necessarily fit and proper have still passed and mm. it's only after the fact they realise actually no the owners weren't necessarily good yeah. and maybe it's Premier League say, saying you know we need to actually improve our fit and proper test mm. but there's a lot of murkiness around it and I think that's what is the problem for a lot of Newcastle fans is that it seems like the Premier League is being a bit corrupt. But mm. what are your thoughts on the whole Newcastle takeover? I think the the very interesting thing about it is I don't know if you saw, but the Premier League actually came out on was it Thursday or Friday to say, whoa, 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 hold on. No, it was Wednesday actually. They came out on Wednesday, I think, to say, actually, no, Newcastle actually incorrect in their statement to say that we blocked the move. The Premier League released a statement saying something on the lines of I didn't read the whole thing, but the headline kind of was if you provide us with the correct documentation, then you can proceed. But there seems to be a a breakdown in communication there. In terms of the takeover, I think Newcastle fans, as you said, yeah, will will feel hard done by. Obviously, this is a a deal that was originally put to the Premier League back in March. Um, 17 weeks actually passed before we heard that um, the uh, Saudi Investment Fund pulled out. Um, At that point, everybody thought that the deal was dead in the water and that was it, Newcastle not being bought. Um, and then, yeah, to get this statement from Newcastle to say, well, a month and a half after that, they've the Premier League have now bl- have now blocked it, was a bit surprising. That's interesting because obviously a lot of people didn't actually know that or were aware that this still was actually still, still going on being worked on, yeah, yeah, which was kind of mad. But th- I mean, there are two. It's kind of two pronged as to why the Premier League would have taken so long. There's a whole kind of political stance behind it all which I'm not going to get into as this is a football football podcast so I'll get to the kind of side which is more related and probably more not more interesting should I say but probably more related to the football side of things which is kind of um, essentially in that area in the Middle East area um, the rights to the Premier League are shown by or are owned should I say by um, be in sport and I know if a lot of people I've, I've personally seen them if a lot of people have travelled maybe even to Europe or certain countries for example when you go to your hotel room you'll see be in sport on the uh, being one of the channels on there, so they actually hold the rights to the Premier League or to show Premier League fixtures in that area. Interesting enough, Saudi Arabia, who for those that don't know, were or there was a Saudi-backed investor basically in the consortium that were looking to take over uh, Newcastle and would have been a uh, majority shareholder in Newcastle. So for those that don't know, um, in Newcastle, this B in Sport is actually blocked and you you can't access B in Sport in Saudi Arabia and 
Premier League is very is being streamed illegally, basically, by a network called Be Out Q, I think they're called, which obviously it seems to be a play on the words of being sport and whatnot. So part of the issue that I believe the Premier League would have had is, is it appropriate for a country, if you like, to own a Premier League football club, but then kind of completely disregard Premier League um, integrity, if you like, and, and, and allow the streaming of Premier League matches. So that as well, obviously, as I said, along with the kind of political issues that are going on there at the moment are two reasons as to why the Premier League would have taken so long. But I think the interesting thing is the whole thing about not the Premier League coming out and saying, actually, no, Newcastle basically chatting shit. We didn't block the deal and if they want to provide us with details, effectively to prove that it wouldn't be Saudi Arabia as a country or as a, the Saudi Arabian government that will be owning Newcastle Football Club. If they can provide documentation to prove that, then we can move on. So yeah, it's interesting. I, and I feel like we've not heard the end of this story yet. I feel like more things will come from this. And, and Newcastle and Mike Ashley have actually quite heavily criticised the Premier League and even Richard Masters, the CEO of, or I think CEO of the Premier League anyway. Well, I don't know where his official title is, but the head of this Premier League. Um and said that they haven't acted uh, appropriately in this whole matter and and all this type of stuff and how they feel they've given enough evidence to suggest that it's not going to be owned by the Saudi Arabian government and stuff like that. But yeah, it's an interesting one. As I say, I feel like we haven't heard the last of this, whether it's in a month, two months or however long, I feel like we will hear something more on this. Um, but yeah, for now, it's a crazy one, man. Crazy one. Yeah, and I think um, part of it as well, which... I'm, I mean, hesitant to fully accept either party being 100% right, but we've seen Newcastle take over bids before mm. that somehow always seem to break down. Mm. And it begs the question, does Mike Ashley actually want to sell as well? <laughs> so there's there's always that in the background because he, he's a shrewd businessman and mm. Newcastle's a business at the end of the day to mm. him. Yeah. It's probably making him a lot of money. Yeah. Yes, he doesn't want to invest in the club heavily to push them onto the next level, which the fans demand. Mm. But if he can keep them ticking over in terms of, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, <laughs> he's still making his money in the meantime. Yeah. So I, I don't yeah. think he's going to be complaining too much about yeah. owning Newcastle for another year. Yeah. But on, on to a quick one. Um, saw that Arteta has been upgraded from head coach Jeez. to manager. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's almost like a, Congratulations! Like mm. we like we like the start that you've done so far. Mm. We want to give you a bit more control because mm. a bit like Pep, where the whole club really needs to be molded in his vision for him to get the best out of a team. That's sort of where they want to head with Arteta. Where it's like, okay, we're going to give you more control, allow you to mold a team in your image, and let's go from here. Let's really build and move forward. So, mm. I mean, it's good news all around for Arsenal because you, you kind of want. Arsenal to be part of the top six conversation. It, it's yeah. it's less fun when they fall <laughs> off, and I know there's Arsenal arguably fans. less fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, arguably less fun because their their meltdowns are epic. <laughs> but um, I, I know there's a few Arsenal fans listening to this, which will be listening closely because they say we like to get onto Arsenal a lot. But you know what, Arteta is in a good good job. Good he guy. Is. Good We're putting that on the record, by the way. Then. Lastly, I mean, this is definitely one for you because honestly, my care in this topic is zero. This is the Zebra Kit. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah. t- t- take it away for a Spainy rant. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I messaged I messaged Uncle Tass as soon as I saw it and I said, listen, I need two minutes just to just to vent because I don't know. Listen, I don't know if this is ever going to reach uh Adidas. I don't know Adidas football specifically. I don't know if this is ever gonna reach Manchester United as a football club. But what the hell were you playing at when you designed and approved those kits that we are wearing this season. I'm not even going to call them kits. I don't know what they are. They're not kits, all right? They're just absolute nonsense, okay? The home kit, the funny thing about the home kit, yeah, the red one with all the kind of whatever, yeah. At first, I didn't like it. It grew on me a little bit to the point I said, you know what? I haven't bought a United kit for the last couple of seasons. I might buy this one. And then I saw it in person. I was like, then the away kit came out. I thought, okay, black, grey, you can't go wrong with that. Calm. Again, I saw that in person. I'm like, and then this third kit of ours, bro, I'm not going to lie to you, yeah? I saw leaked pictures of it on the Saturday night. I said, it cannot be. I said, I don't want to believe it. I said, this is absolute nonsense, yeah? So I didn't want to believe it. Didn't post nothing. Didn't message none of my United friends, nothing. Because I thought that this has to be fake news, yeah? The That was a Saturday night. The Sunday night, that's when it got confirmed to me, or for me. I saw David Beckham posted a picture of him wearing it. So, oh my gosh. They knew they had to get David Beckham to, to, to pose in that though, because I don't know if there's anyone that could have saved it, it would have been Beckham. But unfortunately he didn't because that kit is atrocious. And then obviously woke up Monday morning, added that some Man United had officially announced it and revealed it. But that, I mean, yeah, they won't be. And you know what's annoying, right? I've been saying to a couple of my friends, Arsenal fans, yeah. If I was an Arsenal fan, the annoying thing is, obviously I did us make both of our kits, right? If I was an Arsenal fan, I would buy every single one of their kits. Their home away and third kit are all very nice. So what shaggedy deggedy is Adidas doing for us this season? Even the last couple of seasons, our kits haven't been... Anyway, you know what? Ran over. Your third kit's not that much great. Anyway. Actually, no, actually, you know what? Let me not even bother. Crystal Palace, not Crystal Palace. You see, I even thought it was Crystal Palace. It's Chelsea's third kit. That's one that I would say, yeah, that's, that's a bit... The fact that I even said Crystal Palace says everything about that kit. Anyway, ran over, man. I, I ain't got energy for this anymore. So in the week that the Premier League comes back, this man wanted to spend time talking about kits, but... Well, I have to say true that I've got on... What season is this? This is... All our kits have looked the same recently, man, except for these ones that I can't even remember what kit, what season this is. I think this is 16, 17, maybe. And I'm sure you would have complained the fact that the kits are all the same as well. So <laughs> damned if you do, damned if you don't. No, bro, because everyone else is, is is being shown innovation, initiative, design, you know. All right, thank you, Spainy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm cutting it there. So, yeah, rant over. I think let's, let's just swiftly move on to the next topic. Obviously, we promised to uh, cover any big transfers that took place over the, uh, over the course of the week. Um, so kind of similar to what you did last week, I think I'll just... Name a few transfers that took place and kind of just get your thoughts on them, I guess. See if any, if any of them stand out. So there was Ollie Watkins, 28 million. Well, I've got down as 28. I think you said you saw 33. Yeah, I think Sky Sports had that as 33. Yeah. Um, let's just say in a region of 28 to 33, or let's just say 30 million uh, to from Brentford, obviously to Aston Villa. Um, good signing for Villa? I mean, they needed, a, they needed more goals. Whether he's... An- the man to get the goals for them. That's another thing. Because I mean, it's all well and good to go on that championship level, but we've seen there's been a lot of players who have been bagsmen at championship level who haven't been able to make the step up. Mm. 
Um, I saw I saw his highlights, trying to see the goals, his type of goals he's scoring and whether or not they could relate. And mm. to be honest, I wasn't really that impressed. But mm. I mean, we'll give we'll give him time. We'll give mm. him time. Like he he seems like a natural finisher and he's got good instincts. So yeah. hopefully he'll be good for um, Villa. But I mean, not so good that they still don't get relegated because I predicted them too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, they, they need the striker, so they got one. Cool. Um, and then this is one that I mentioned last week that I thought would have would be confirmed within days of us recording last week. Um, James Rodriguez obviously moved to Everton. Yeah, good, good, good signing. Obviously, I think we briefly mentioned played under Ancelotti twice, mm. and knows the manager. He's got um, Gary Mina as well. Mm. His countryman plays for Everton as well, so he'd have been in his ear as well. So yeah, I mean, he's a great quality player, quality player. And yeah. that's the type of quality Everton really need, to be honest. They've got a lot of decent players, but they need that star factor, that yeah. X factor sort of quality. So yeah, big good signing for him. Yeah, we saw him play his debut today. So obviously we'll come onto that when we cover that part. But um, keeping it on Everton for now, uh, Abdelaide Takore from Watford. Good signing, good signing. I think he, he's too good for the championship. Um, he probably not good enough for the next step up, like your real big top six. Mm. It'd probably be more of a bench player there, mm. but very, very good player. Um, athletic, box to box, uses the ball well, can get his foot in for a challenge. So I think it'd be a good player for Everton. Yeah. Um, cool. Newcastle came in with a hat-trick of signings during the week, uh, announced, I think, on, on the same day, actually, that they yeah. released a statement about the Premier League uh, blocking their bid. Uh, for the takeover but um, or blocking the takeover bid should I say um, Callum Wilson Ryan Fraser, and Jamal Lewis all being announced on the same day yeah uh, to be honest love all of them probably the Fraser one the least but it's probably the best bit of business because he's on a free transfer he was sort of frozen out at Bournemouth with him essentially trying to force a move to a bigger club mm. I think there was rumours of him going to Arsenal last year that didn't materialise mm. but now the opportunity to prove himself again where he probably doesn't have to be the main man um, for Newcastle as he would have been for Bournemouth so it plus he, he knows Callum Wilson as well so mm. that's good for both of them to have a familiar face around yeah. and Jamal Lewis I mean pretty much every couple of Premier League seemed to be after him <laughs> at one point yeah. and Newcastle got the deal over the line so again we saw a couple of them make their debuts so we'll come yeah. on to that in a bit yeah and I think for a combined 35 million for the three of them I think they've great got business. very good value for money there great business um, the last one I'm going to I'm going to mention only because I personally find this quite an interesting move um, is um, Alphonse Ariola to uh, Fulham. I found that a very interesting move. Yeah, I don't know what it is with Fulham and getting good French players, <laughs> but it, I, they always just seem to find their way there. But I, I don't understand the move from a PSG point of view. Like he's been a highly touted hot prospect goalkeeper for a while mm. and it's not like he hasn't broken through into their team he has mm. so why they're just letting him go out on loan like that I'm not quite sure I mean they've, they've got Kaylin Avis you could say yeah Kaylin Avis is clearly better than him and he's probably going to play all the games but mm. it's the same thing where I'm saying you want a competent number two yeah. and if the number two understands yep yeah, I'm not going to play but I'm first off the bench yeah. then you want to keep him, keep him around yeah. maybe it's that Alphonse just backs himself a little bit more and says, you know what? I don't deserve. I don't deserve this. I want to yeah. go play. But then surely there'll be a queue of teams. Better bit, than Fulham. Yeah. yeah. Just, just a bit. No, no, no disrespect to Fulham. Yeah. Obviously you yeah. support them, but 
there, there should be a queue of clubs, even maybe in France, are saying, yeah. you know, what I want to, I, I want to take a punt on him. But yeah. fair play to Fulham. It'll be interesting to see um, how he does. Yeah, and yeah, because they they might need some help. Yeah, I think I think. Yeah, like I said, I found this a very interesting one. Um, given the type of player he is, the kind of career he's had, he, okay, for his whole time at PSG, he keeps, seems to keep being farmed out on loan. But like you said, he's he's made it to the first team on, he's got a number of appearances for him. It's not as if he's a goalkeeper there that's got 10 appearances. I think he's got like 80 appearances. Okay, when you look over the span of the amount of years he's been there, doesn't seem like a lot. But when you consider the fact he's been on loan a lot, that actually, that this is clearly somebody that they have some liking to him. The fact that, you, like you said, they haven't sold him they sent him on loan. I do kind of wonder what's going on there. But um, yeah, no, and, and, and the Fulham fans, because obviously, like I mentioned, the championship, not necessarily whatever, but the Fulham fans that I've spoken to seem to like Rodak. So I'm kind of like, what? It, 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 it It's a weird one. It's almost like, what was it, two seasons ago when they had um, Bettinelli, who was mm. playing well for them, just got into the England fold. Then they all of a sudden brought in Sergio Rico on mm. loan. And it's almost like, okay, well, now you've got really good, two good keepers but it's almost like there's a battle for number one and mm. you want to you want there to be an element of someone being pushed mm. to make them better because like we said pressure makes diamonds but at the same time you need to have a clear hierarchy of okay this guy knows he's a number one mm. it's not a toss-up it's it's almost like the situation where man united find him in now find themselves in now where it's like there's so many question marks about whether it's going to be henderson starting mm. or De Gea starting you don't want that you want mm. it to be a clear I'm the starter and let's move forward. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. Um, but yeah, to be honest, it then got to a point where I felt like I was missing some transfers, but nothing else kind of stood out to me. So yeah, those are really the only ones that I wanted to kind of cover. But yeah, it sounds like generally, generally speaking, some very good business over the last week. Yeah. And another month to go. <laughs> yeah. Another month. And I think there's another two weeks after the window closed on the 5th or a week or so where Football league chances can go mm. ahead so that we could still see some more business until mm. late October. Facts. So on to the meat and bones. So we obviously it's Sunday. We're recording on a Sunday, if you didn't know. We've just watched Super Sunday. So I thought it'd be good to start off with the game we just saw, which is Spurs Everton. And we had a couple of people, like you say, make their debuts. I think mm. there were five debutants. There's a few, yeah. So there was Matt... Uh, Sorry, I was going to say Alan. There's <laughs> Matt Doherty for yeah. Tottenham. Yeah. Um, Hoiberg for Tottenham. Hoiberg for Tottenham. Alan. James um, Rodriguez. And there's one more, I'm pretty sure. Abelard Decore. Yes. So and I knew there was five. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I think I had Everton down to finish ninth in the season and Tottenham down to finish fifth mm. based on how the game went. the sixth, by the way. Did I? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. You said Arsenal will just pick them. Cool. I remember because that changed it to what I said. Cool. So I think looking at the game and how the game went, it'd pro- I'd probably want to reverse those. I think Everton, <laughs> Everton looked like the team who were trying to do things. Like they were comfortable in possession. They looked to use their key men. And when, when I say about that, they were looking to find Rodriguez, they're looking to find Richarlison, the guys with the X factor to really mm. make things happen. But they just look so much more solid. Yeah. Like they, they actually have a lot more balance to their team now. I think a lot of the issues with Everton over the years is that they'll get a load of players, but it's just signing names 
for signing sake. Yeah. Whereas now they've got Allen in, who's obviously playing sitting. They'll play, they play like a 4 3 3. He he obviously sat deepest. Then you had um, Andre Gomez and Abdullah Dekouri, who had a bit more license to move box to box. But then they were using Richarlison and um, Hammers coming in inverted off the wings, obviously. Yeah. Richarlison from the left, Rodriguez on the right. And it just really worked. It was yeah. just really, really balanced. They looked solid. Whereas on the flip side, Tottenham, they were just all over the shop. Yeah. Like, I, I honestly can't tell you what the plan is or what they were trying to do, but it was almost a... a, a horror show for debut for Hoiberg mm. and then I think Mourinho made some interesting subs as well like he brought he brought on um, he brought off Ali at half time mm. for Sissoko for, for Sissoko and then when they were chasing the game brought off Winks for was it Endombele um, Bergwijn he brought off Winks for Bergwijn then brought off um, Doherty for Endombele Doherty for Endombele yeah. and, and it's a bit like he just threw pe- people on. It was almost like, <laughs> you're all good players, figure it out. There yeah. was no structure. Whereas Everton were, they had their shape, they had yeah. their structure, they knew what they were doing. And Alan, the guy I was talking about last week, played really well. And yeah. it's the exact same thing I saw when he played Liverpool. It's just calm in possession, comfortable, yeah. does, the, does, does, does the, the, the stuff he needs to do and doesn't make it too elaborate. Just plays short, simple passes and breaks up play. So yeah, I, th- I think it was a, a good start to the season for Everton and maybe for once with a competent manager, they could be a threat. And that's not not, not good news as a Liverpool fan. <laughs> I, I, I want to see our younger brothers doing poorly, but at the end of the day, you want the derby to mean a bit more. So it should be it should be a couple of interesting derbies. But what are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, like you said, I think um, Spurs were just flat. They didn't look, they didn't look up for the races. Um, and Everton um, looks the more creative threats, definitely, especially through um, the composure of Alan and um, James Rodriguez, who was finding Richarlison switching play for fun. Um, that actually led to a couple of chances that Richarlison probably should have buried. I think one let's, one was played again from um, Rodriguez over the top to the back post. Richarlison tried to get ahead to it, kind of missed it. Another one that um, Rodriguez played over the top. Um, Richarlison brings it down, cuts inside, fires it wide. Um, so there was good, definitely good creative play. And there was um, a chance in the first half, on fi- I think about 15 minutes, where Richarlison, um, I think, picks up a loose ball, carries it forward, um, knocks it past Alderweireld, uh, rounds Lloris, but then shoots it kind of high and wide. Um, one that you probably... Someone of his quality should be finishing. But at the end of the day, um, I think the chances suggest that Everton were definitely the better side. I think they had 15 attempts compared to Spurs. It's nine. I think Spurs may have had more shots on target, but from what I recall, none of them were kind of anything that Everton needed to worry about particularly. Um, Yeah, Everton definitely looked the better side. Uh, Interestingly, this is actually Everton's first win over Spurs since 2012, which... Is a good, obviously, good result for them. Good omens. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah. Obviously, that game ended 1-0 to Everton with mm-hmm. the goal coming from Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Yeah. Brilliant free kick in from Luca Dina. Brilliant, <laughs> equally brilliant header. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, fantastic goal. I think I, I think um, Spurs just lacked any sort of creativity, man. And it you kind of makes you think this definitely would have been a a game for Ericsson to kind of be involved in. But obviously, as we've seen from All or Nothing, there's nothing Spurs could have done about that per se. Um, but yeah, I think they will they will miss him, definitely, especially based on today's performance where they just lacked any sort of creativity. Uh, yeah, I think, to be honest, it is what it is. They they need to find the balance because yeah. it, it, it just didn't 
seem to work. Mm. And I think that they'll, they'll eventually get there. Mourinho will find his preferred 11 and stick to it. But on to the first game from Super Sunday, which was West Brom versus Leicester. So I think um, it was it was a decent game watching that one. Um, WBA actually, or West Bromwich album, they actually started brightly. Mm-hmm. They looked like a team that were happy to be back in the Premier League. They wanted to start off on the front foot and to, to start off with Leicester looked a bit flat, mm-hmm. to be honest. And it looked like the same Leicester we saw back end of last season where they just never looked comfortable, never looked like they were going to win games, etc. But um, West Brom had a few good chances. The guy that we mentioned last week, Diangana, um, mm. he looked bright, faded a lot, um, second half of the first half and second half as well. But um, you can see why West Ham would have wanted to keep him because he, he looked bright. The other guy, Matthew, um, Matthews Pereira, couldn't really get into the game much, but for the most part, after that 10, 15 minute spell where West Brom looked good, they faded and they could never really get a stranglehold of the game after that. Mm. Leicester slowly built themselves up into the game. The, it was actually known at half time, but after the break, Leicester just went up a few gears. That, mm. that, that, that's all they did. They didn't really turn it on. They were never really blowing them off the park, but they were just comfortable in possession, started to make things happen. And eventually they got the opening goal through the new boy, Castagni, who actually been on the right-hand side of defence. Mm. Like I, I thought he was more left-sided fullback, but apparently he can play both. <laughs> He played, he played on the right side and mm. they switched Justin over from right back to left back. So again, he can play both sides. So I guess it gives Rodgers a bit more of a different dimension to work with. Yeah. So that'd be interesting. But he got a debut goal, then a couple of penalties for Jamie Vardy, which I mean, I that was one of my sneaky shouts of the year that Vardy would score a lot less goals than he did last season. But... I mean, he shut me up in the best way possible <laughs> in game one, scoring two penalties and yeah. getting off the mark. But all in all, it was a solid game for Leicester. And the only thing that really shone through was their star power. Yeah, It, it was just a better, a case of they have better quality um, than West Brom. Like West yeah. Brom just lacked a little bit of quality. And once they went behind, it, it was just a case of they didn't really seem to have any ideas Seven minutes change a few things, but it, nothing, nothing really worked. Mm. Yeah, just decent win for Leicester. Yeah, I mean, not really much else uh, to add on to that. As you said, just the the, the more dominant side won really, and that's it. Yeah, I think there'll be better days ahead for West Brom, but they, yeah. they they do need to find a few more goals from somewhere to be able to stay up and keep up in this league. Mm. And I think that they're in the market for a striker who they had on loan um, last year. Colin Grant but whether they get that over the line and whether mm. that's the key because again championship player coming up to the Premier League as you mentioned with Watkins can you find the goals but mm. more to come on that one cool so that covers off Super Sunday uh, just two games there to to review now on to the season opener um, very good game of football I thought in the end anyway Um Fulham versus Arsenal. Now, I thought this was a, it was a kind of a result that I guess both of us would have kind of expected from the standpoint that we both kind of predicted. I thought 4-0 Arsenal, you thought 3-1 Arsenal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So the result wasn't too shocking. I think, if I'm completely honest with you, I think Fulham just lacks any real quality in, in, in the end of it. 
Um, their best kind of moves or the times they look best was down the right with um, Cabano and, and Adoy kind of breaking down the right hand side. Uh, Adoy had a couple of chances. I think he broke down on the right one point, cut inside, took a shot on his left foot, but kind of hit it straight at at um, Leno. At Leno, thank you very much. Um, and outside of that, I didn't really see enough quality from um, Fulham to kind of suggest they deserved anything more out of the game. Um, like we both said, we both think Fulham are going to go down anyway. And that, that kind of showed that in in a game like that, especially opening game in a season against Arsenal, who obviously we both agree that Arsenal are working on something good here, but are still kind of trying to work things out. You would want Fulham to come and take the game to Arsenal, especially at home. You'd want him to take the game to Arsenal and say, look, we're not, we're not here to fear you boys. We're not, we're here to kind of compete and kind of obviously we'll come into the game, but similar to kind of Leeds against you boys, they didn't care. They were there. They said, listen, we're here to stay and we're here to play football. Uh, didn't really see that kind of grit from Fulham. Um, I think um, obviously we saw debuts for um, Gabriel and William as well. Both I thought had great games. William, we know exactly what to expect from him um, and didn't disappoint, got two assists. Could have also got a goal, obviously, with the kind of ping pong that was going on in the box that led to Lacazette's opener. Um, but I think all around good, solid game from William. Uh, he also hit the post, obviously, from a free kick. Um, and Gabriel, I think obviously there were almost question marks at the start of the game. There was the period where I think Maitland-Niles played the ball back, um, which there was just a little bit of confusion between Gabriel and Leno. Um, neither one kind of went for it. They ended up sorting out and getting getting it clear. But I think obviously that was quite early on in the game. Um, I've seen an interview, well, it's not quite an interview, but when Arsenal announced Gabriel, they kind of got Willian and David Luiz to call him, obviously all Brazilians as well. So they were speaking Portuguese. I haven't seen, I don't know whether um, Gabriel can speak English or not at the, at the moment. Um, also in that video, they were kind of giving him words to say in English to the Arsenal fans. So that would suggest that his, his English is probably isn't the best. And so I say all of that just to say it was just a breakdown in communication really or a lack of communication, if you like. So nothing that I would suggest should be worrying, but he, he really grew into the game, looked solid at the back, played well out from the back, defended solidly, um, and so I think Arsenal do do have or look like they have a solid centre back there. Albeit, obviously, I did say um, Fulham were poor. Um, even when they brought on Mitrovic, they, they didn't really look like they had um, much in the locker. There were a few balls that were being played across the face of the goal that no one was really getting to. So I think even though it was against a kind of poor attack, Gabriel still had a fantastic game. Um, got the goal as well, got his goal to make it 2-0. Debut goal. Yeah, got debut goal to make it 2-0. Um, obviously, well, I'm not going to say header because it wasn't a header, but shoulder in from a corner. Um, so kudos to him. And then obviously to wrap it up, Aubameyang doing what Aubameyang does best. And what I liked about this goal um, is that it was reminiscent of the goal against you boys in the um, Community Shield, in which they played it out from the back, got it out wide, this time to Willian. Obviously in the Community Shield, it was against, it was uh, to Saka. But this time got it out wide to Willian, who ping the ball across, um, diagonal ball cross field to Aubameyang who brought it down, cuts inside and obviously fires, does what Aubameyang does and fires it into the back of the net. So I quite like that. And I think, I feel like obviously based on those, these, those literally the last two kind of competitive games, if you like, um, that Arsenal have played and the fact that they've been able to do that and score like that twice, I feel like that might be something we'll see a lot more of this season. Something that obviously they're trying to, obviously we know that they're trying to work out from the back anyway. Um, but 
I feel like <laughs> yeah, we don't always know that Aubameyang's going to cut him from the from the left anyway and do that. But yeah, I think we will see that a lot this season. And yeah, uh, Arsenal should be happy with that result. Cool. So not much more to be said about that game. Three 0 to Arsenal with goals from Lacazette, Aubameyang, and Gabriel. Fun fact. Did you know that Lacazette is the first player to score the opening goal in the Premier League twice in their career? So I mean, you might not. Oh, the op- as in the actual opening, first opening okay. goal in the Premier League. I so, didn't know that. So he might not actually go down as a Premier League legend, but <laughs> he'll definitely be in the Premier League record books for a while. Fair. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. So on to the next game, which was Crystal Palace versus Southampton. So it was. A, a, a decent game to be fair I find it quite boring I thought, I thought it was a decent game as a, as a decent battle in terms of Crystal Palace obviously set up very very well Hodgson's got them very well drilled mm. they were looking to hit Southampton on the break and obviously Southampton under um, Ralph Hassanal they play better away from home now it's not necessarily a case of them trying to also sit back and hit people in the counter attack but mm. There just seems to be a freedom that they, they play with away from home, mm. um, which led them to finishing third in the away form table last oh, you year. Missed it, yeah, you missed it last week, innit? But um, they, they, they sort of seemed to be lacking a little bit, whether it was a sharpness, they just couldn't really make things happen. I think that they, they had the better of the open in a few minutes, but didn't really make anything concrete or make any clear-cut chances. There was one ball which sort of almost fell to Ings in the box and yeah. that was the... Their, their chance of note in the first half and yeah. um, I think it was even mentioned where it's like if that's what you're sort of calling a chance then <laughs> you've had a really bad half yeah. for Crystal Palace obviously they got their goal through their talisman Zaha excellent volley a bit bit of laziness from Southampton trying mm. to play the ball got caught in possession eventually worked his way out to Townsend drilled the ball across and Zaha excellent weighted volley and Played it past um, mm. Alex McCarthy, who did you know was the most picked fantasy Premier League goalkeeper? Was he? Mm. Of last, as in for this season. For this season, interesting. Yeah, okay. I guess at, at the price and yeah, that's why people just chucked him in. You know, people just go right, right to the end and just chuck at any yeah. random goalkeeper. <laughs> in. But um, I think in in the second half, Southampton made started to make things happen a little bit more. They had a few more chances. There was a couple of really good saves in from um, Victor Gaeta. I think um, he didn't have much to do, but mm. anytime he was called upon, he was just there. Like um, Che Adams ha- had a chance, which he sh- he struck really sweetly, mm. but yeah. Gaeta just made a really good save. Yeah. There's, I think there's another chance later. I can't remember who it was, but again, Gaeta was there to be relied on. But so, um, Crystal Palace did have the ball in the back of the net again um, through Zaha, but he was just about a judge to be offside. Great yeah. decision in the end. But it almost was like they would pay for that because he he did make his way through again right towards the end. And instead of going across goal and side foot in it, he tried to smash it near post, Mm. missed. And then down the other end, that's when Southampton got a chance right, right at the death. But luckily they got away with it and this game ended 1-0 to Crystal Palace. Yeah. Your your local team. My local boys, indeed. Um, Yeah, I mean, the game didn't really have a lot of exciting things to talk about unfortunately I think the most exciting thing was the whole John Ross sending off um, Kyle Walker-Peters and then 
And then uh, obviously going to VAR, which obviously is the first time we've seen in a while. Uh, have we ever seen that in the Premier League? I think they, they said it happened seven times last year. Not that none of the games I watched. Yeah, I've, I'd, I'd never seen it. Um, I knew I, I did know it was something that they were allowed to do, but I just knew that they just didn't. Um, so yeah, first time I've seen anyway, um, a referee go to the monitor, obviously came back and said, actually, you know what? I'll give you the yellow card. I did personally think it was a bit harsh to send him off straight away when yeah. I first saw it. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did kind of wince at the challenge, but nothing to be like, oh my God, that's a red, send him off. It was just like, ooh, I think there was, yeah, two high feet. Um, I can't remember the Paddy's player it was now, but um, I can't remember who it was, but he 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 got he just got there first. You get what I mean? And just, Kyle Walker pieces was just unfortunate. But yeah, again, given obviously all or nothing and then obviously his move to Southampton, etc. it's just interesting that that happened to him in the first game of the season obviously I don't particularly think he had a great game um, but I mean early days it's, it's a 38 game season isn't it so one yeah, game's I, not going to define your season I think it, like you say just to touch on that it, it's good that the referee John Moss was man enough to reverse the decision because yeah. a lot of the time you, you, some people prefer to be wrong and strong and just to look at the <laughs> monitor and say you know what it's still a red but yeah. that would have really killed off the game because that's when Southampton was starting to bubble a little bit yeah um, just at the start of the second half. So it was good that he changed his mind. And yeah. I guess the first big VAR decision of the season went well. Yeah, true. Definitely went well. True. Still don't like VAR though. That's fair enough. <laughs> We're all entitled to our own thoughts. So on to the next game. Here we which go. Which was Liverpool-Leeds. So, I mean, it, it was... A good game like it was yeah. def- definitely a good game for the neutral yeah um it ended 4-3 to liverpool literally it was a case of super salah i think you, you know salah's always almost disrespected in a sense of his goals just not that they go under the radar but it's almost like because he he's done so well since the start of his Liverpool career mm. it's almost like you expect him to score 20 goals it's almost like yeah, okay it's 20 goals it's like it's, it's whatever like it's not <laughs> it's not 37 or 31 again it's like mm. bro do you know how difficult it is to score 31 Premier League goals yeah. in 38 games <laughs> but yeah Salah, Salah looked to be one of the few players for us who was very very sharp I think we we went with a different midfield we went with um, Henderson Cater and Wijnaldum we haven't seen a lot of those three together, mm. but um, I don't know if it, were, if it was specifically to counter a Leeds tactical element, but um, it, they, I don't think they did really, really badly. What I found, um, forget forget all the goals and um, how they went in. What I found is that um, Karen Phillips has found a lot of space. A yeah. lot of space um, and he was getting time on the ball, yeah. which is how they got their first goal. He was able to pick up Jack Harrison. Yeah. But I, I, I then noticed that from there, as the game sort of wore on, I think it it was 3-2 in the first half and really end-to-end stuff. The second half, it was a lot. They, they, they almost like Leeds lost their way a little bit. So they weren't finding as much freedom on the ball. They, it was a very flat game or flat second half from them to start off with but then obviously they got a goal later on but it I, what I saw was I guess tactical instruction from Klopp where he was all, almost saying to Firmino if Phillips gets on the ball and he's near you you drop you mm. press him if not then one of Cato or um, 
Wijnaldum or Henderson, you have to come forward and press him. And as soon as we started to do that, he was finding less time on the ball and leads weren't ticking as much. But it's interesting that a lot of Liverpool fans like to... Henderson divides opinion, let's just say that. Yeah. But <laughs> honestly, it's almost... Not, not that I'm saying that he would have prevented the goal, but the second after Henderson was taken off, that's when Leeds got their equaliser to go 3-3. Three, three. <laughs> and it, it was just a case of the midfield not tracking runners. Like yeah. Curtis Jones just come on, young, young youngster, not going to blame him. Ginny, probably blame him a little bit because he tends to be quite good at times at tracking runners. But I think it was Click who was just allowed to ghost past the midfield, held across the found him and got the third goal. And it, it, at that point, it was almost like a, will we be able to get the fourth? Because mm-hmm. I, was, I was watching the game, I wasn't necessarily impressed with us. It was just a case of, okay, we can write this game off yeah. if, we, if it finishes 3-3, free, free, but let's try and put them under a bit of pressure because mm. we didn't really ever dominate them to the point we put them under intense pressure, yeah. which we know we can do. But we started to turn up a little bit towards the end and start to push the envelope a little bit and that's in the end how we got the penalty so we had I think it was from a corner the ball played back in Fabinho managed to touch it just ahead of Rodrigo who we've spoken about <laughs> last week and typical strikers challenge in the box mm. we need to make it Fabinho was really going nowhere but he felt the contact went down and Salah stepped up on two goals got his hat-trick started the season off great and did you know that fun fact Salah's the first person since Teddy Sheringham to score an opening day goal in four seasons, four consecutive seasons. So in a league of his own there, Mr. Salah. I mean, well, I guess, guess technically not in a league of his own. But <laughs> yeah. What did, you, what did you think of the game? Because I know you're going to want to throw dirt on our names. Bro, all I'm going to say is you didn't score an open play. Okay. Is that a, is that, is that a issue? Listen, I mean, if that was me personally, I'd be like, right, what's going on here? Nah, I, mean, but, I, 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 I mean, if you're happy with it, that's calm, innit? I'm, 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 wait, wait, are you happy with it? I'm, I'm not worried. All right, cool, cool, cool. No, that's fine. I mean, you didn't... The, 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 the only other thing I'm going to say though is um, uh, the whole thing I was saying about Virgil van Dijk came to fruition mm. yesterday for... Um, was it their... What goal was it? Second goal. Their second goal. There you go. Obviously, an absolute hopeless ball over the top, quite high in the sky, came back down. And like I said, Van Dijk just seems very pedestrian because he just doesn't have anybody who's going to displace him. Nobody in that team, nobody else in the squad is going to displace Virgil van Dijk and he knows that. So he thinks it's calm to just try to flick a ball around the corner when you've got Bamford right behind you in that situation. I, I, I wouldn't say it's because there's no one who's going to displace him as to why he do that. That's just his character. He's always going to... Wait. And and that's what makes him so good because nine times out of ten that comes off and you're just like, oh, Van Dyke again. Well, I mean, since... The one, the one out of ten times it doesn't, it makes you look like an absolute fool. I mean, listen, like I said, I just think, boy, somebody needs to... Somebody needs to... Uh... Who, who, who is there in world football that we could buy that could displace Van Dyke? The fact that, that could display, the, no, 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 hold on. The, 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 fa- the fact that you're having to think, you don't. No, have, no, no, no. So the first name that comes to mind is obviously Kudibali, whatever his name is, right? He would come in, but then I'm thinking he would probably obviously. So when we when you ask the question, displace Van Dyke here, are you saying if one player was to come in and 
their role is to displace Van Dyke. They'll displace no, because you're, obviously, you're, 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 you, but you brought up the the fact that there's yeah. no one in the team that's going to displace him. No so. one in the team, no. So who are you going to bring to that that can displace him? No, but this is my point. I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily saying you need because obviously he's your first choice centre back. I'm not saying that he should be displaced. I think I mentioned this last week. I'm not saying he should be displaced. I'm saying somebody needs to come into the team and make him realise that his position isn't as safe as he thinks he is. But his position isn't as safe as he thinks because do you think if Van Dijk falls off a cliff that Klopp won't go to Matip and Gomez? I mean, boy, I'm just, listen, the only point I'm making is obviously if Van Dijk falls off a cliff, you're going to have to replace him. I get that, yeah. But I'm saying falling off a cliff just through general kind of lack of performance on, and falling off a cliff because mentally you, you just think you can do what you want and get away with it are two different things. I, I, I don't think it's mentally you think he can just do what he wants and get away with it. That's calm, that's calm. But but I, it, it, my, 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 my issue my, no, my, my issue is the thought that you don't need to have someone behind you to be at the top level. Look at Messi. I'm not saying you do. Look, look, but look, look but Messi at, hasn't fallen off. Has Van Dijk fallen off? Listen. Are you, are, wait, so you're saying, you're saying you're not allowed to make mistakes? I didn't say you're not allowed to make mistakes. I'm saying over a period of time now, I'm seeing the Van Dijk, when I say period of time, you know, we had this conversation. I said, since you won the league, yeah, since that period, it's just been a bit. Listen, roll your eyes where you're like, I don't care. Okay. I'm saying my opinion. You can have your opinion. I know your opinion. Virgil van Dijk, this Virgil van Dijk, this blah, 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 blah. The, the thing it is, it doesn't I, matter. I'm, 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 I'm a realist Liverpool fan. I'll be the, f- I, if you ask me what is the issue with Virgil van Dijk, I tell you, he's pedestrian. He's pedestrian at times. You see, you see it all the time. Sometimes he gets over okay, it. And other is, times he doesn't. But okay. But is that, is that, regardless of how good he is, is that acceptable? That is his nature. So you have to accept the good with the bad. If you know, the, the thing is, you can't change Van Dyke as a player. You, you you can't change him. That that's how he's always played. Just that comfortable on the ball. He he, hold on. he so plays you, the game you, at his pace. But hold on, are you telling me that you can't kick somebody up the ass and say, get on with it, regardless of whether they play at that certain pace? This is why, for why, example, but why why would you buy someone? To try and change them. I'm not saying you just said you can't change a player, but mentally you can get the guy to to want to play quicker and more alert. I'm not saying he's not quicker or alert, but I'm just trying to say in terms of the whole, um, he's pedestrian and all this type of stuff, bro, get in your car and flip and get a move on. Do you get what I mean? It's not every day to be pedestrian. Sometimes actually just do like, do your job and do it well. And you're, you're talking about the guy who finished second in the Ballon d'Or just last year. That, Listen. You're, 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 this, is, this is my issue is that you're trying to poke holes because for once he made a mistake it's like you because you haven't I been I mean able, it's not for once though because we've established he made a mistake be, against Arsenal last because, season because you so, be, because you have so little to clutch to at goals? Be, because you have so little so little to clutch at you're just trying to find anything listen I've been listen, get the tapes get the receipts here yeah? I've been said Virgil van Dijk is a fantastic player I get that and I even said to you I think it was two weeks ago I said listen I can actually see that he reads the game so well that he doesn't need to go and do these last ditch challenges, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just saying this whole pedestrian thing, I get he's a fantastic player. I understand that. And I get that's his style of play, but I'm just envisioning it will get, will get to a point where the pedestrian is going to catch up on him. And that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The pedestrian is going to catch up. That's it. Big man, Virgil van Dijk is a world-class centre-back. I understand that. But world-class centre that doesn't necessarily mean you... Well, obviously, we've established he's made mistakes, but still, I mean... But don't worry. Bro, don't worry, man. He's so good. Why are you upset? 
What's wrong? I'm, I'm not upset. Just, you look upset to me, man. I'm not upset. I have nothing to say to that. I thought it was harsh that his goal was disallowed, though. His second goal was disallowed. Uh, makes sense, though. Right. He he, he 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 didn't foul anyone, but there was a foul there. It, but he was running through a bag of man. He could. I mean, I didn't see anything that showed like an instant replay frame by frame that says who he made contacts with. But he was running for a bag of man. That's gonna happen. It's 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 almost like a pick play. Yeah, I, it is harsh, and it was a great finish by him. But it is what it is. He got he got a goal in the end. But that one finished four three to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So moving on to the last game now, which was West Ham against Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So we spoke about earlier. They had a couple of debutants. Obviously, technically, Thomas Shushek played for West Ham last year so he wasn't mm. a debutant but he he started for West Ham um, but West Ham to me looked toothless to be honest they looked like the West Ham from the start of last season where mm. they were devoid of ideas didn't know what was going on almost waiting for the kick up the backside say okay we might get relegated here let's buck up our socks Antonio going another mad goal scoring run let's save our bacon and then we'll go again next season and it's it 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 just doesn't make sense to be honest. They've got a couple of good quality players. I won't say they've got the most quality in the world, but they've got a couple of good quality players. Yeah. But they seem to be either coming off the bench or not able to get on the pitch. And yeah. it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like they didn't start with Felipe Anderson, they didn't start with um Yamalenko. I like Bowen um Bowen, they started with him. Antonio again, quality, but is he a striker? Is it it, it, I just don't know where West Ham go from here because mm. it's almost like delusions of grandeur, to be honest. Like, are they a big club? Clearly not. But they have that big club mentality where they want big signings. And just, I feel like if you're able to pay your players, hundred like numerous players, 100 grand plus, you must at least think you're a big club. <laughs> they, no, they, they think they're big club. Yeah. Obviously, when they got the move to um, the London Stadium, it mm. was always with the... It, it, the expectation of mm. okay, we're we're knocking on the door. We're going to get European football. Mm. That hasn't really happened since they had like Paya and Savan Bilic, mm. and it, it's just I like like we're saying, Moyes isn't the guy to take them forward. Mm. So where do they go from here? I honestly don't know. Honestly, don't know. But um, I think it was it, what what surprised me was how well Newcastle did. Slightly, the reason I'd say that it doesn't surprise me is because I backed Cannon Wilson. And I backed, um, I would have thought Ryan Fraser would have started, but obviously he didn't. Um, obviously we discussed him, Maximan, for example, um, and Jeff Hendrick had a good game. So I, and then obviously West Ham, as we kind of alluded to in the past, have, have been struggling. Interesting facts for you. Did you know that West Ham um, have actually lost more opening fixtures than any other team in the Premier League's history? I mean... That doesn't surprise me. So. <laughs> yeah. So there was 14 fixtures in the, 14 opening day fixtures, which is the most in the Premier League's history. And they've lost their last four in a row. Um, well, I think that's four in a row before today's one. So that would have been five now. Um, so yeah, I mean, the fact that Newcastle turned up, obviously they are, yes, they're, as a club, I don't know how they are responding or how they are feeling. We don't obviously know how the fans are feeling, but we don't. I don't know necessarily how the club is feeling about the failed takeover bid but as a club when three new signings especially with the quality of Fraser Wilson for example that we've discussed in the past they're going to be buzzing do you get what I mean and I feel they will be buzzing from that and that showed in their performance 
Yeah, I think what, what was surprising for me is that I don't particularly rate Steve Bruce as a manager. Obviously, he's been around the block. He's mm. got experience. But in terms of, okay, you're getting a few new players and you're going away to West Ham, do I expect them to pretty much near enough play West Ham off the park? No, not particularly. Do I expect them to get a result? Mm. Essentially, like, I, I, I could see them winning the game or mm. sneaking a draw or whatever. But no, they actually looked comfortable. Like... They played him off the park. Carroll had a good game against his old team. Yeah. He was unlucky not to get on the score sheet. Callum Wilson, striker's instincts to get his goal. Then Jeff Hendricks. I mean, I was speaking last week about how someone who can't get in the Burnley team, what is he going to do for Newcastle? <laughs> I mean, a goal assist. <laughs> he, he showed me exactly what he can do. Yeah. He, he was quite impressive as well. So, yeah, I think they, they look good. Um, Jamal Lewis had a good debut. Yeah. It'd be a great outlet for them on the left-hand side. Yeah, putting a few good balls on the left-hand side there, yeah. So it, it potentially, even though the takeover didn't go through, it looks like potentially brighter days ahead for what, um, Newcastle. Yeah, facts. I think um, I think West Ham might feel a little bit hard done by. Obviously, they, they hit the crossbar twice. Um, Ogbonna and um, uh, I can't remember who the other person hit the crossbar was, but they hit the crossbar twice. Um, they just lacked that cutting edge to get through Newcastle's defence there. And as we said, the other end, Newcastle seemed to, to be fe- be feeling reinvigorated. So I'll give them that. Um, was it 2-0, um, isn't it? So, yeah. Oh, if we can say something, sorry. No. Um, yeah, so 2-0, obviously, both goals coming in the second half. Um, obviously, 0-0 no, no at halftime. Um, about 10 minutes or so into the second half, Mankio, um did well to beat four nows down the uh, Newcastle right hand side. Crosses the ball in quite high looping one. Um, finds um, Hendrick at uh, the near post who flicks it on behind him and just finds Callum Wilson sitting in the six yard box waiting for it. So just what, taps it in. What I don't understand about that goal is obviously he he had his foot quite high to mm. beat the goalkeeper to get the ball in, mm-hmm. which is fair enough. But why is that not a foul when? Okay, Carl Walker Peters made contact in the Southampton game, but his foot was probably higher than Carl Walker Peters was. Yeah. And it's always a case of that's the rule if your foot's high, like it should be a foul. So why is that? I, I, I don't understand that. To be fair to you, I mean, I don't, I, I get, okay, you're asking the question, not necessarily stating it should have been a foul. Um, and I understand your angle, especially because goalkeepers seem to be very protected in the Premier League. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, you would kind of think if one thing, then why not the other? But I don't think, I don't necessarily think there is anything in that to start a question. Yeah, it, 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 I get what you mean because he was clearly in front of him mm. and just nicked ahead of him, but his foot was pretty much head high. Yeah. Like that, that, that <laughs> that's what the issue is. Like it's mm. a safety issue where for him to be able to score that goal, he had to in, potentially endanger the opposition. So, it, yeah. I mean, hey, fair enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you see uh, West Ham were quite unlucky not to get penalty obviously the new rule coming into play about how it, it, it was below the armpit which I never quite when I first heard that term below the armpit I was like what the heck does that even mean but I believe it's kind of just sleeve isn't it from below the sleeve if you like yeah um, so like that, the, the triangle from the armpit yeah so yeah sleeve. so um, West Ham quite unfortunate because if this was last season that would have been given as a penalty this season obviously new rule it's not I think uh, I prefer this rule only because some of the handballs that were being given last season were just absolutely just ridiculous do you get what I mean and so I think we do need to enter an era where there is some allowance and some leeway because it's not ever just because it touches your arm doesn't make it 
doesn't make it a handball, in my opinion. Do you get what I mean? Um, but yeah, they were quite unlucky um, not to be awarded the penalty there. Um, but then obviously Newcastle went away and, and scored the second, a fantastic strike by Hendricks, the debutant, as we said. Obviously he already had an assist in the game. Strikes a beautiful, laces it, top left corner. Um, relatively interesting, if you like. Did you know that this was his first time ever scoring an assist in, a Premier, in the same Premier League game? Did not know that. Yeah, 123 appearances he's had, and this is the first time he's scoring an assist in, in the same game. Probably why Burnley wanted to get rid of him. <laughs> touche, touche. But yeah, all around um, positives for, for Newcastle there. I think they've got, again, yeah, something that they... As, as we alluded to in our um, uh, kind of uh, pre-season previews or season previews and transfer talkings, Callum Wilson obviously look, already looks like a good signing for them. Um, I can't remember how, how Ryan Fraser did when he came on. Yeah, he's just a meh. But by that point, I mean, Jamal Lewis, Jeff Hendricks and Callum Wilson had kind of already Set had- the pace. Yeah, good enough yeah. performances that nobody was worrying about Ryan Fraser. So- but I mean, obviously if he finds his form, also he can probably be forgiven because let's bear in mind, he's not played since March, basically. Yeah, he's not played a lot of football. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, positives for Newcastle there. West Ham need to sort out their, um, their kind of just creativity and attack going forward. Then we've got two Monday games this week. So obviously these will be going on tomorrow. We've got Sheffield United against Wolves and Brighton against Chelsea. What are your thoughts on those games and how you think they're going to go? Um, Sheffield United Wolves would be an interesting clash obviously two teams that were kind of there or thereabouts um, in and around each other um, for most of last season um, I think I think given obviously the um, the kind of shortened pre-season if you like and and the fact that we kind of alluded to the fact that Sheffield United I don't we don't well, I don't feel have kind of that star man that's going to Take a, take a game by the scruff of his neck and Wolves in Jimenez and, and Traore and, and Neves and co. Okay, they've lost Doherty, but at the back, it's not the end of the world right now, in my opinion. I think Wolves, Wolves are going to, I think Wolves are going to take that one. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 2-1. I think Wolves 2-1 on that one. Brighton, Chelsea. Um, it's interesting because I want to, I want to, obviously I gave Chelsea third for this, for the um, finishing the end of the season. I want to say that Chelsea will run away with this, but Brighton aren't someone to be obviously, and it's at, um, it's at Brighton's ground as well, isn't it? Yeah, Amex. Amex, thank you. I know people are going to get onto me for not remembering <laughs> Brighton Stadium's name, but listen, people can forget things, all right? <laughs> um, uh, it's at the Amex, Amex Stadium. Um, and so... Brighton aren't necessarily the team that you want to discount in that regard. Obviously, Chelsea with number of new signings. Okay, I think ZH, Thiago Silva, and there's definitely one more of their new signings that are out as well, or one more of their new signings that are out as well. None of them will be able to play. So, are we are we looking at kind of Mason Mount coming in? Are we looking at well, that was assuming Mason Mount was going to be taking a back a back seat with the introduction of all these players. Um, I feel. I do feel it's, just, it's, it's a positive season for Chelsea. I do feel the majority of their new signings will shine and prove good for them. I feel, again, as, I was, as I've been saying, first game of the season, not much to go by. Obviously, maybe a couple of training sessions. I don't know. I haven't kept on top of Chelsea's kind of pre-season friendly activity, so I don't know what they've been doing in that regard. But 
in terms of competitive football, obviously nothing to go by in terms of all the new signings coming in. And so it, it will take maybe a game to maybe even a few for them to gel until they click into form and, and, and push on, in my opinion. So I'm going to go... I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. Interesting. So yeah, I think for me, I'll go 1-1 one, one in the Sheffield United Wolves game and 1-0 uh, Chelsea victory. I think they'll just get over the line. 2-2 two, is a wild shout, but... Listen, we shall see. Season, we, we, we shall see next week. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was our uh... prediction league? Yeah, what was what was your thing saying? How was your predictions for last last week or this week? Should I say? I think we. I think I matched you. Yeah, I don't think I got. Obviously, the Fulham Arsenal one I think was the closest one for both of us. I think we were both one goal away from. So no, no one got a correct score. Yeah, but we both had Arsenal to win, so we got a point each there. You had, well, I had Palace to draw. You had Southampton to win. Nothing there. <laughs> Both had Liverpool to win. I went 2-0. You went 3-1. Both wildly wrong. <laughs> you had West Ham, Newcastle 2-2. I had West Ham winning 2-1. But we were both wrong. Yeah. And I had Leicester 1-0. You had Leicester 2-0. So we're both kind of close, but Leicester won 3-0. Yeah. Just combined both of them. <laughs> then we both had Tottenham to win. You had them 2-0. I had them 2-1. And Everton just really yeah. impressed us. I think, yeah. yeah, I think probably the size of team they played as well. They probably were the most impressive performance this weekend. But essentially, we both got in one. Wait, in terms of with the result, yeah, I'd say Leeds had a fantastic game. All three of their goals were pretty good. They played good football. But they, they brought the game to you. I know they, they lost, they, but. They, Norwich started the season last season exactly the same as these. They had a very good game at Anfield. Mm. Where did they end up? <laughs> you, yeah, but I mean, yeah, we, we want we want to give up medals for second place. Like, come on, come on. Like, no, they they they, they have stuff to work with. Yeah, I, I like things about them. I think they do well. Like, I was talking about Bielsa the other day, but you can't really say it's an impressive performance when you don't win and. It's but I think I still no, think no, that's no, harsh if you're no, talking you no, scored two penalties. No, do you know why it's, do you know why it's a false narrative? Because everyone expected them to lose, right? So they they, they, they could throw caution to the wind because they don't they know it's a it's a free shot. Yeah. So that, that that's why it's a false narrative where would they have played if they had to win that game mm. and it was late in the season, win to stay up and it's against Sheffield United, are they playing that the same way? Or are they playing a bit differently? I did think that after the game, I'm not gonna lie to you. I did think that. There um, you go. There you go. I mean, fair enough. That's yeah, everyone's entitled to their opinions, right? But yeah, I, I'd say for me personally, Everton probably had the performance I enjoyed the most this weekend. But we both got three points. So in the prediction league, guys, um, it's three points for a correct score and one point for the result, but not the correct score. So three points, decent start. But let's let's do our predictions for next week. Mm-hmm. So I'll run you through the games. I'm just gonna shout out scores. I'm not gonna bother. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't expect you to. <laughs> so, we are doing the Saturday and Sunday games so we can discuss the results on the pod. Let me take notes of these so that I don't forget these ones. <laughs> Go on. So, first game is Everton-West Brom. So, obviously, first team's the home team. 2-0. Mm. 2-0 uh, Everton? Mm. Okay, well, I'll go 3-0 Everton. <laughs> Then we've got Leeds against Fulham. Ooh, really? Leeds, Fulham. I mean, it's what I just said, so yes, really. All right, calm down. Um, 
I'm just going to shout out results. I'm not going to. No, I'm obviously have these to think about it, don't I? I'm just saying I'm not going to necessarily give a spiel as to why I think so. Okay. I'm going, ooh. I'm going 2 0 again, you know. Go 2 1 Leeds. Man United, Crystal Palace. Come on, that's a 5 0 freshman, mate. No, I'm joking. Um, realistically, Man United, Crystal Palace. I'm going 3 2, you know. United win, 3 2. Okay, 2 0 United for me. All right, cool. And Arsenal West Ham. Arsenal West Ham. Uh three nil. I I probably go to be honest, I'll go three nil as well. To be honest, West Ham don't really look good and Arsenal are looking strong at the moment. So. Yeah. Southampton Spurs. It's not a bad game. One one. I think Southampton nick it, two one. Then we've got Newcastle Brighton. Newcastle, Brighton, 2-1 Newcastle. So I'm going to go, I I just expect Brighton to be a bit more set up. So I'll probably go with 1-1 in that game. Then Chelsea, Liverpool. Swear down us next week. Aye, aye, aye. Um, Chelsea, Liverpool. I'm going Chelsea win here, you know. I'm going to say 2 uh, one. I'm I'm gonna keep it simple. I can't lie. I'm never gonna go against Liverpool, so fair. I'll just say two one to Liverpool because that's what we beat them at Stamford Bridge last year. Then final game of Sunday is Leicester Burnley. I'm going nil nil. Okay. Um, I see. I think Leicester will make the breakthrough. Whether or not they get the second goal, that's dependent, but. I'll probably go Tino Leicester. So on to fantasy football. How did the team do this week? <laughs> What's funny? Nothing. How did my team do? That's a fantastic question, you know. Um, it looks like I've got 54 points uh, and I've still got Timo Werner and Aaron Ramsdale to play. And I've got, um, yeah, no. So I've got, let me quickly run you through my team. I've got Ramsdale in goal, Trent in, uh, who let me down, Van Dijk. Okay, you got seven points, but still. Um, Adeverald conceded today, so he's only got me two points. So, Inchu, clean sheet, good man. Fraser, yeah, he got me no points. So, Maximan, three. Zaha scored, so eight. Obama was my captain, so got me 14 points on his goal. Vardy got two goals, so got me 13 points. And Werner is playing tomorrow. Oh, next week. When is he playing? We just said this. Anyway, Verma's still to play. Yeah, so a lot better than my team. I got 26 points, top scored by Aubameyang. So I had Kane as captain, was expecting something to happen. Thought he looked quite good and under the start of the Mourinho era. So obviously he got injured. Thought, yeah, he's ready to shine, but it's not August because, you know, Kane never used to score in August. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I thought it was all good, but um, no. So, I mean, at the moment in the... Top Bins Pod League, I am 36 out of participants. Yeah, there's a few. How many is in there? There's like 47 in there, isn't it? 41, I think. 44. We'll put, out, we'll put out an update in the week of how people are doing in the Top Bins Pod League. You're going to look to make any changes? To be honest, uh, my game week two predictions, I'm expecting great points from Arsenal. I've already got Bamiang in my team, going to captain him up. And only person I'm looking at adding is I like the look of Jamal Lewis mm. obviously they're at home to Brighton 
So I think he'll be a good outlet on the left-hand side. So mm. I might consider putting him in for one of my defenders. But what about you? I think I'm good, you know. I think I'm good. I think... Famous last words. Yeah, honestly. I think classic, like everybody else, I'm obviously waiting for City to start playing. Um, until then, I don't think I'm going to be chopping and changing my team around too much. Um, yeah, no, I'm happy with mine, to be honest. I'm surprised you haven't got Salah in there. Uh, uh, I usually go for either Salah or Mane, but I know I just wanted to change up. Like, I mean, yeah, it's a long season. They'll come in at points, but, <laughs> you know. Fair. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good one. Cool. The last bit, which is the Top Pins Goal of the Week. So a new little segment. Who scored your favourite goal this week? You set me up here, buddy. You didn't tell me we were doing this. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, but my goal of the week, I'm going to give two... There were some fantastic goals this weekend. I, I know you're going to think there's an ulterior motive behind this. But I'm going to give it to Harrison. I think the way... Why are, you, why are you making your face like that? Okay, continue, continue. Big man, let me talk. I'm, I'm, me making a face doesn't prevent you from talking. It just says it's off-putting to you, but I'm not, I, I didn't interrupt you. I didn't say anything. I'm just here. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Harrison. Um, there were some good goals this week. I'm not going to lie. Salah's second goal was a good finish. Um, Hendrick's goal was a good good finish. Um even Aubameyang's goal, like I said, like I alluded to, was reminiscent of the goal he scored against you in the Community Shield. But the reason I'm going to give it to um, Harrison is purely from the skill point of view, in the sense of, well, A, obviously the work to it, the skill, and then the finish. And obviously it was against you, boys, so that was obviously added bonus. But obviously for it to be played out from the back, find Calvin Phillips in space, obviously, as you said, throughout the whole um, throughout the game, he was finding acres of space. Um, turns, pings a lovely ball outfields to Harrison, who brings it down very nicely, takes his second touch, cuts it inside. Obviously, does Trent Alexander Arnold and Joe Gomez. And obviously, boom, slots it bottom left corner. I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant goal. Um, but yeah, no, there were some good finishes over the weekend. I'll be interested to hear what your one was. Not even going to take too long. Salah's man. second penalty is stupid. No, Salah's second goal. Like, ball came to him. There was literally one place he could have put it and he put it there. Okay, let me not lie. It was a fantastic finish and it was like perfectly top right. And it was top bins. It was top... Why have we not... Why is that not a thing? Why have we not... I mean, I set you up. You could have gone for it, but obviously you just want to go against Liverpool. But oh, me, did you legit think I was going to pick that as, the, as my goal? What other goals come close to this? this the weekend? goal I just described. No, it doesn't. It was it, in context. Bro, what's in your cup? Water. In context, that's vodka and Sprite or something, or in, just straight vodka. In context, it was an okay goal, but even the finish, like Alisson could have done better. It was. Are you joking? It was an okay goal. Are you actually joking? The actual finish I'm talking about. This. Oh my god, I, I don't think I could do this with you anymore. Listen, listen. Salah scored my top bins pod goal. Of it the was week. an okay goal. My, Salah scored my top bins pod goal of the week. Simple. You know what, yeah? You know what I want to do? I want to do a new thing, yeah, for the YouTube where we, you and I, recreate these goals. We could easily recreate Salah's goal. I want to see you try and recreate Harrison's goal. Or, on, on, I'm not taking away the fact that it was a good finish. It was on, a fantastic no, no, no. Finish, on, but on, we could recreate that. On, on our, I want to see you recreate our, Harrison's on goal. On our left foot. 
I want to see you recreate. Well, no, because on our stronger foot, he, no, no, he didn't, no, fi- no, no, he didn't no, finish no, it on his weaker no, foot, no, did he? No, 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 no. He didn't finish it on his weaker no, foot, no, did no, he? No, 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 not having that. Only only left foot Tony. Listen, that's calm. Me, I play ball, so I can kick with my left foot. It's calm. I love to. Wait, are you not left footed? No. Oh, you're left handed, though, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, fine. But we could recreate that. That's calm. Harrison's goal, we couldn't recreate. That's my top wins goal of the week, Mohamed Salah. <laughs> he, he, he shoot, he's shooting for his third golden boot in four seasons. That would be an achievement. I mean, let, me, let him get more pen. We'll see who's at the top of the uh, penalties at the end of the season. Obviously, you look like you you um, like to make fun of us last season for getting 14 penalties in the league. We'll see how many you guys got already. Well, well, You've well, already got two more than us, so. Have you played a game yet? Where was this Where was this energy when you were talking about scoring goals earlier and you were trying to say, has Martial scored? So, 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 <laughs> but has Martial scored this season? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> have we played a game yet? <laughs> no, 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 no. Forget all that. Forget all that. Forget all that. This guy. All, all I know is that man like Jordan Brian Henderson's doing things and Pogba and Fernandez are nowhere to be. <laughs> oh my God. All right, cool. Cool. That's what you're saying, yeah? Hold on. Wait, when you say doing things, what did, you, did he assist a goal yesterday? Did he score? Did he, what, what's he doing? I see man, I see your captain coming off after. Oh, what, after? Oh, he was injured. Blah, blah. Brother, you're so predictable, man. So what have you got for us, Spain? Have you got any trivia? I do this week. Um, so, can you name me the top five assist makers in the Premier League over the last two seasons? Three of them are going to be very obvious. Trent, Robertson, De Bruyne. Yes. Now four and five. I'll be honest, there are actually a couple options at five, so I'll, I'll, I'll let you... Uh, Give me any one of those options. I want to say, is Salah sneaking in at five? Salah does sneak in at five, yep. So I'll give you that and then you just need to get number four now. Hmm. Number four. It's going to be someone, is it maybe Madison? No. Okay. Is it? Is it your guy, Ryan Fraser, potentially? How the hell did you get that? Because, I mean, you, you, you've you spoken about him so much and I know he had a really good season a couple of seasons ago, so I'm thinking oh, over the range, he's in there. Come Shit, on, man. man. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Can't get me with stuff like this, man. Rah. Can't get me with stuff like this. You sort of precursed it, speaking about Ryan Fraser. I'm like, I know he's had a good season. He might just stand there. Come on, man. Go get up early to beat me, man. I'm like the chaser. He always get got. <laughs> I'll give you... No, that's... that's oh, okay, yeah, fine. If you're saying that I kind of preempted that, then it's not as impressive though, is it? But, but I mean, you got it. Cool. I, so I, you're I, one for one. For one. I thought you were going to say what you were, were going to try to say something like one for none or something like that. <laughs> I'll give you a one for one. Um, no, but one, yeah, no. One and oh, you know. One's going to go 38 and oh. Yeah, I'll give... Uh, we'll see. I'll give you that. That's uh, that's impressive. But yeah, obviously the feat in itself is very impressive, obviously given that we established that he's not played since in this season since March. Um, so yeah, no, Ryan Fraser pops in at fourth. Which is very impressive. I think about, I'm like, I think it was about twenty assists over the last two seasons. Yeah, and I think all of them came in one season, didn't they? A lot of them came in the first season, like eighteen or eighteen or something. Like. So, yeah, like a lot of them the came season, season. Or the, in the first season. Yeah, but um. So for those of you listening, 
we want to know your thoughts. So join the conversation on Twitter, hashtag the top bins pod. Who had the best debut in game week one? So obviously this will include the debuts that we'll see tomorrow. So you might want to wait on that before all you Arsenal <laughs> fans start going, Gabriel, Gabriel, Gabriel. But who's yours for, for this week, Darren? For this week, um, I'm going to go... Best debutant, best debutant. You want to go you know, around Fraser, don't you? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This is, gonna, this is actually going to be um, um, not necessarily left the field, but the reason I'm going for this person is because of the expectations that came um, and my own personal belief that usually kind of big stars that don't necessarily flop but end up at like the smaller clubs in the Premier League don't usually always perform. I want to go Rodriguez, James Rodriguez. I thought he had a great game today for Everton um, I thought he he looked like the bright spot that if they were obviously they won but they didn't their goal didn't come from open play so if their goal any goals came from open play it was going to come through him Yeah, and I was just all around impressed with his performance and I thought he came into the Premier League showed what he's about showed that listen I'm still I'm still there um, obviously it'll be interesting to see how he gets on in the um, in for the rest of the season but I feel like he's somebody that will you will see his name towards the top of the kind of chances created I'm not necessarily saying assists because if Richardson is going to be finishing like he did today uh, with some of the chances that were that were played for him, it's not going to work for him. But he'll definitely be up there for chances created. But I'm going to go Hamas Rodriguez, you know. Yeah, I think my my plays also for Everton, and I'm just going to go Allen. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, 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 I about him so much, but I, I I I just hope he's either injured or suspended for the Liverpool game because I know he's going to annoy me again. But. <laughs> No, I, I just rate him as a player. Yeah. I rate him as a player. I know there's no Arsenal fans listening at this point, by the way, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Gabriel, yeah. Gabriel, Gabriel, Gabriel. Nah, but, I mean, uh, he had a good game, don't, but don't get gassed. But no, good, good stuff. So as always, housekeeping, you can follow us at the Top Bins Pod, T-H-E-T-O-P-B-I-N-S-P-O-D. That's on Twitter and Instagram and on YouTube. You can listen to us on whatever platform you're currently listening <laughs> to us, but also on all major streaming platforms and now on Apple Music, Google Pods, Spotify and SoundCloud as always. Join in the conversation, let your thoughts be known and and if you have any other thoughts other than the best debutant this weekend, just use the hashtag the top pins pod to join the conversation on Twitter. I imagine a few people will disagree with your uh, Salah goal of the weekend, but yeah. Let him know. Let let Uncle Tass know. Okay, so thank you for listening, guys. We'll be back in your airwaves next week. Peace. Peace.